Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Tuesday, November 24th. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of The West Block. We speak with Mercedes about the current COVID situation across the country, with several provinces going back into lockdown. Next, we look ahead to Premier Jason Kenney's upcoming announcement on Alberta's next steps to battle the coronavirus and the rising numbers in our province. We get the thoughts of Dwayne Bratt, political scientist with Mount Royal University. Then we look at the impact a new lockdown will have on local businesses continuing to struggle. We speak with Mario Taniguzzi, media expert in the retail industry. And finally, how great would it be to get away from all of it right now and head to Hawaii? We catch up with the travel lady, Leslie Cater, with details on how Hawaii is now welcoming Canadians without a 14-day mandatory quarantine. 609 on the morning news, a surge in COVID-19 cases and renewed lockdowns across the country were up for discussion on Global's The West Block this past weekend. Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of The West Block, Mercedes Stevenson, joins us now. Good morning to you, Mercedes. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. Thank you for taking the time with us. The COVID-19 battle across our nation, very much in focus on your program. You had the chance to speak with former health minister, Dr. Jane Philpott, about it. So I, I want to break this down and give some kind of a comparison because we are going to get the announcement of the new restrictions today in the province. It happened in Ontario. Uh, let's let's talk about uh, what those in, uh, restrictions entail in the province of Ontario for those of us in Alberta who might be unaware. So the most severe restrictions are in uh, Toronto and Peel. Those areas have gone back into a lockdown. So that means things like restaurants and gyms are closed. Uh, A lot of small businesses are closed. All that's really allowed to be open is either people uh, who are providing curbside pickup for customers or big grocery stores, places like Walmart, uh, pharmacies, the same essentials that were open during the first round of lockdowns uh, that lots of folks in the country went through. The one big difference with this one is that schools and child care centers have remained opened. Uh, so parents haven't had to pull their kids from school and have them at home while they're trying to work. The government has found that it's very, very disruptive, first of all, to the children's lives, to be pulling them out of school, uh, to be disrupting another year of education. So that's sort of really the absolute last, last resort they would be looking at. And there's also serious implications for parents who are working from home mm-hmm. and now also trying to get, you know, a seven-year-old to <laughs> dial into a Skype call to do their schooling. <laughs> so it is very much still a lockdown. Um, there are very serious consequences for people who breach that or who are going out and, and seeing people and having a social bubble, um, but they, they are back in essentially a modified lockdown. Uh, a lot of other places in Ontario still in the red zone. That means there's things like indoor dining gone. Here in Ottawa, uh, that was gone for a month. Our cases stayed lower, so we have now things like indoor dining and, and gyms back, uh, but that's still very precarious, and it looks like more areas around Toronto could be going into lockdown because some of the mayors there are saying, look, people from Toronto and Peel are just driving into our region to do stuff, and that's going to spread the virus. And Mercedes, we're thinking and expecting that it'll be some sort of a modified lockdown here in Alberta, too, with perhaps the stores closing and the kids going back to school. What did that look like in Ontario when that happened? What was the lag time between when they made the announcement and things shut down? And, And did people go crazy and kind of, you know, rush out to get everything? Yes, the announcement was made on Friday, and it became effective at 12.01 a.m. on Monday. So people basically had three days 
uh, really, or two and a half by the time they made the announcement on Friday to prepare. There was absolutely some panic buying, uh, and the Premier was asking people not to do that, saying, look, stores aren't closing down. You're not going to not have access to milk or meat or toilet paper. All that stuff is still going to be there. Uh, that did not stop some of the insane lineups outside of places like Costco as people prepared to hunker down. So there, there was warning time for people to kind of frantically try to run around and get everything to the stores that are closing they won't have access to, uh, which are largely smaller businesses or, or non-essential services. People were rushing uh, to get into the salon to get their hair cut. Because, of course, last time when we went to lockdown, it, it started with a month, but then it expanded. So this is a 28-day lockdown. So theoretically, it lifts at the end of that. But if the case count isn't reducing, then they would extend it. Mercedes, a lot of talk over the past couple of weeks about the vaccine production and research that has been made and, of course, the huge strides. Hearing in the U.S. that as early as the end of this year, the last part of December, that they might start implementing vaccines to those people very much, you know, frontline workers and, and perhaps the elderly. Do we have any kind of a timeline yet in our country when we might be able to see some of these uh, potential vaccines? We keep hearing likely sort of the, the first few months of 2021. We'd heard it could be as early as before the end of 2020. They seem to have backed away from that timeline a little bit uh, because, of course, what happens is you have the vaccines, uh, so you have to have the company Pfizer or, or whichever one, and there's there's more than one, say, okay, our vaccine's ready to go. Health Canada then has to approve it, then it gets delivered, then it has to be distributed, which the military is going to be helping with using uh, just huge freezers because these vaccines have to be kept below minus 70. Uh, so that's very specific. And as you mentioned, there's a limited number of doses well, it hasn't officially been decided who's getting them first. It seems like the provinces and the federal government have been signaling the same thing. And, and by the way, it's the federal government who will decide how many go to which provinces and then the provinces distribute them from there. But largely, it's expected to go to frontline healthcare workers first who are dealing with the virus, uh, potentially to the elderly, certainly to those who are working in long-term care homes uh, who could be at risk. And then beyond that, We'll see. But, you know, when we talk about the vaccine uh, and it brings a lot of hope, it's important to remember that it takes two doses for these vaccines mm-hmm. per person. And somewhere like Ontario, uh, where you're talking about, you know, 2.4 million uh, vaccines, okay, that's only 1.2 million doses. Uh, so that first one will not be going to likely general members of the population. It'll be going to very specific individuals. Mercedes, curious, just to to circle back, when you did talk on the weekend with Dr. Jane Philpott, did she have any insight into, you know, what she thought maybe wasn't happening or should happen or what was maybe done right or wrong kind of thing? Uh, You know, she was really, really careful about that and said she did not want to place blame. She Mm. said that she thinks one of the biggest problems with this pandemic has been that people have been pointing fingers and that pointing fingers doesn't achieve much. And yes, mistakes have been made and were made by different governments at different levels. But she said, you know, in fairness, uh, people have never dealt with a pandemic before, which I thought was actually quite generous of her considering before she left as health minister, she wrote a report that warned Canada was not ready for a pandemic at any level. Uh, So she sort of foresaw this a little more than most. 
But she did say she felt that drastic action was necessary. Uh, she agreed with the lockdowns. Uh, she said, you know, it's, it's very difficult for people. Nobody wants it. Uh, but her view was essentially that Canada is at a tipping point and that if they're going to avoid overwhelming the health care systems and the spread accelerating, that some pretty serious action was needed uh, and that, that that, in her opinion, was in the form of, of lockdowns. She didn't call for a national lockdown. She did say, you know, it's up to the provinces. Uh, but she certainly praised the decision uh, of the Ford government to put Toronto Peel into a lockdown. And just to clarify, how how long are these? I know they're very selective in Peel region in Toronto, the most extreme. How long are those lockdowns in effect for? 28 days uh, from Monday. So now essentially, mm. you know, 20, Through Christmas. That, 26. 26 days, losing track of the days, like many people in the pandemic <laughs> yeah. here. Uh, yeah, so for, for one month. But, but if the case numbers don't decrease, uh, they would likely continue those lockdowns. So the idea is to get the cases under control. If that's not happening, they'll stay in place. Wow. Okay, well, thanks for the update, Mercedes. We're waiting to see what happens here in Alberta, and uh, there'll be lots more for us to talk to you about, no doubt. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. 710. And Premier Jason Kenney set to announce new COVID-19 measures, potentially restrictions in Alberta today as cases in our province continue to climb. Dwayne Bratt, Professor of Political Science at Mount Royal University, joins us now with his thoughts on it. Good morning, Dwayne. Good morning, Sue. Thanks for joining us. You know, obviously we don't know yet what the new restrictions might be, but is it too little too late for the UCP and Kenny's reputation after the Premier's been MIA for more than a week? Have they just taken a, a really big hit over this entire pandemic? I think they have. Um, there were some very limited restrictions announced about uh, two weeks ago, and then virtually nothing from, from the government. And I think it really came to a head last Friday when Dr. Hinshaw gave her her briefing that showed record amount of cases, uh, almost 70 people dying in, in one week, and she was out there by herself, and there was no premier, and there was mm-hmm. no health minister. And on that particular day, every other premier and the prime minister had, had spoken directly to the people. Uh, and some of them, like Doug Ford in Ontario and John Horgan in B.C., had, had made further announcements and, and further restrictions. And so Alberta was really the outlier. And then a whole series of absences um, that continued over the weekend as case counts continued. And a really bizarre video statement from the Associate Minister of Health, Jason Long, saying that they were simply waiting for hospitals and ICUs to to hit capacity, and then they were going to take action, which seemed to be a pretty detailed answer that he later tried to walk back and say he, he misspoke on. So yeah, we we had the MIA. We had some uh, you know very interesting statements coming from the UCP camp, but it, it, it's also a real tightrope, I would think, for Jason Kenney with today's announcement, since he's been so vocal against the lockdowns. You've got to keep those Albertans happy who you know don't want to shut down business completely. But we've got to get the virus under control. So unlike other provinces that have twenty eight days, perhaps it's it's, it's got to be an interesting uh, announcement as far as uh, how far he takes it. Well, and, and two things on that. It's very evident that there's an urban-rural split here. Mm-hmm. We have a mass mandate in both Calgary and Edmonton, but not province-wide. When they brought in the limited restrictions on bars and restaurants, it was only in urban centers and not in rural bars and, and restaurants. So we see that clash. And the other thing is today, 
they're also giving a fiscal update and an economic statement. Um, and uh, we don't know what that fiscal update will be, but I believe it will be bad. And so you've got this bad economy with possible restrictions that could even hurt the economy even even more. So there's there's two elements at play today. And we do have a, a new poll in the province of Alberta saying that, you know, most Albertans, a majority, support stronger restrictions during this pandemic. So why would they do this all on the same day, Dwayne? I think out of out of panic and, and desperation, uh, the, the fact that they couldn't avoid it um, because the, the cases, we set a record on Friday and then set another record on Saturday and set a record on Sunday and almost set a record on Monday. <laughs> um, so they, they couldn't avoid the situation. They, they had to act. And the fact that it's coming out um, the same day as their fiscal update is, is a lack of, of planning. You would have thought over the summer, when things were a lot quieter, that they would have developed a playbook mm-hmm. and said, here are the sets of metrics that we're looking at. When we hit this, this is the action we take. When we hit this, this is the action we take. As opposed to having an emergency cabinet committee meeting late afternoon yesterday uh, to try to figure out what to, what to do. And I would be very interested to see what the relationship is between Dr. Hinshaw and, and the Minister of Health and the Premier right now. Oh, to be a fly um, on the wall, right? <laughs> yeah, as well as AHS and the Minister of Health. AHS released that viral video on, on Friday of the um, ICU doctor informing the family um, uh, of a death because of, of COVID. Um, I'm not sure AHS was sharing their communication strategy with the Premier's office. So what is really going on in, in health right now? I, I'm very curious to see what, what transpires today. I believe the term uh, to describe what Dr. Hinshaw has been going through is hung out to dry. Um, but it's interesting because we can compare Jason Kenney to all other provincial leaders uh, across our nation. But there's an interesting, we had a text, somebody uh, wrote in and said, well, you know, Jason Kenney has been quarantining. Mm. Well, that doesn't quite work because the prime minister uh, gave an update, I think, every single day when he was quarantining. Uh, and he made appearances over the weekend via Zoom. Right, but to, For UCP, to the UCP ATM, yeah. to interest groups, to fundraisers, not to the Alberta people. So, yes, this is not, um, he did not need to be on stage standing next to Dr. Hinshaw. He could have easily dialed in, and he has in the past. I don't buy that. Your educated guess, Duane, do you want to make one? Do you think it'll be two-week lockdown? Do you think it'll be longer? What do you suspect uh, might come down today? Uh, I don't know. There's, there's three things that I'm looking for. Is there further restrictions on um, restaurants, on, on bars, any place that you see large gatherings that doesn't involve like a, like a grocery store or hospital? The second is anything on masks. And the third is the use of the federal app. Those are the three sort of things I'm looking for, as well as a time frame. And if there's not, then we still need to see the premier, and I want him to explain why action isn't being taken. Time frame and something that you talked about earlier, and I think we've heard a lot of people talk about metrics moving forward, because if we give us a, a 14-day lockdown or 28-day lockdown, we should have some sort of a mark to hit before we leave that lockdown, right? Oh, absolutely. And as Dr. Hinshaw said yesterday in her briefing, there's a time lag between cases and hospitalizations of anywhere from 10 days to two weeks. And and so 
you need to take that into account when you when you do it. I will say, I thought in the spring, and, I, and I've said this in, on several shows, I thought the Premier did a good job. Uh, he, he put ideology on the side. He became a lot more pragmatic. They worked with the federal government. I even think the mask rollout, as much as it got mocked, going through McDonald's and Tim Hortons, was a very pragmatic, very quick, very efficient response. But these last several weeks, this second wave has been a disaster. It's been a disaster health-wise, it's been a disaster economically, and it's been a disaster politically for the government. Well, we'll all be awaiting the announcement today. Thanks so much for your time, Dwayne. Okay. Thanks, Sue. Thanks, Eddie. That is Dwayne Bratt, political science professor at Mount Royal University. 8.42 on the morning news. The first lockdown was devastating for local businesses, with many taking a severe hit to their bottom line, while others having to permanently shut down. So what could the impact of a second lockdown look like for Calgary businesses? With some insight, we are joined by Mario Taniguzzi, media expert in the retail industry. Good morning to you, Mario. Good morning, Andrew. Mario, again, speculation as to what things will look like when we hear from Premier Jason Kenney a little later today. But what are you hearing from local businesses about the potential for a second lockdown? Well, Andrew, in one word, just devastating. Uh, Any... Anything that's uh, going to restrict their businesses uh, and their ability to generate revenue and make sales at this time of the year is going to be an absolutely devastating impact on on them. Of course, the million-dollar question remains, what will Jason Kenney uh, announce today? You know, will he go into a full lockdown mode uh, like uh, places like Manitoba and Ontario are mm-hmm. doing, or will he tinker around with with uh, restrictions and, and, and not do the full full thing. But whatever happens, uh, there's no question, uh, devastating impact. Mario, you know, if you if we look back at the first lockdown or whatever we want to call it, but lockdown for, you know, want of another term, what were the keys for businesses to survive then that they can use as a lesson for what potentially comes today? Well, you know, a, a lot of things, and, and, and quite frankly, a lot of those things that, uh, they learned in March and April uh, and May um, uh, are things that they should have been doing perhaps uh, even before the pandemic hit. So things like, uh, you know, you got to look at your costs. You got to look at your business model. Uh, uh, you've got to look at more and more about your digital presence in the market uh, and how you deliver your services, whether it's online, you know, if you're restaurants or, you know, in that kind of industry, you know, you're looking at, um, you know, curbside pickup, uh, delivery, and all that type of stuff. So these are the kind of things that you have to look at. And you've got to also look at, uh, you know, delivery of your services. Like, what are you... What are you producing out there in the market that that's that's needed now? And, and you know, a lot of companies, uh, uh, you know, I hate to use the word pivot, but <laughs> it's it's the uh, cliche word mm-hmm. of the day. But but a lot of companies did do that pivot. You know, and, you know, you're seeing when you saw like way back in in uh, March, companies like Harry Rosen, you know, the luxury men's retailer, uh, menswear retailer, you know, making face masks. So. Those are the types of things uh, that companies have to do and look at. Mario, you know, the last time, and again, we're still not sure what the restrictions will include coming down today, but last time it was the restaurants hit the hardest. Uh, would it be the same to be expected this time out, or is the whole game changed because we're so close to Christmas? 
Well, that's the that's the the big big question, yeah. isn't it? Uh, you know, I know that even talking to Dan Kelly, who is president of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, I spoke to him yesterday, and he talked about how critical for many companies uh, and retailers and restaurants and bars this particular time of the year is heading into Christmas. Now, now here's the big question, obviously, if you're Jason Kenney uh, and you're thinking of what you've got to do right now, like, do you pull the plug on stuff now and, and have everything back before Christmas? Or do you kind of... Uh, gamble and roll the dice and maybe not do a complete lockdown and then and maybe gonna have to do it around christmas the million dollar question mario we'll all be <laughs> waiting to find out the answer for sure thanks so much for joining us always appreciate uh, your take you bet thanks andrew and sue that is mario tonaguzzi media expert in the retail industry and you can uh, go to yyccalgarybusiness.ca for more info from mario and once again, as soon as we know what time that announcement, we know that the fiscal and economic update is coming down at 10 a.m. We're hearing that the uh, Dr. Dina Hinshaw regular press conference at 3.30 remains intact. So we're not exactly sure. As soon as we do here on 770 CHQR, we'll mm-hmm. let you know about those restrictions and when we'll hear those details uh, coming up. 7.50 on the morning news. As the pandemic rages on, Canadians looking for a sunny escape just found out. Hawaii is opening its doors to Canadians. Yes. No 14-day quarantine period necessary. The travel lady, Leslie Cater, joins us now with the details. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning. Thank you. I'd love to say I've been everywhere, too. (laughs) Pretty close to it. How does this work? We know about these 14-day quarantine periods. How does it work without being an issue for Hawaii? Well, now, Hawaii, the good news is that they have opened up the state and you do have to have a special test, a a negative pre-COVID, pre-travel test before you leave. Now, the problem was that they're only doing this through approved partners and all of these people were in the States or Japan. Now, they've just announced an agreement and I must add, with the help of Air Canada and WestJet, who've been negotiating this, and we can have tests now by an approved pharmacy in Alberta. Okay, so this pharmacy would do the testing. We would mm-hmm. potentially get our negative result back pretty quickly. And then, Zoom, we can jet right into Hawaii. Yeah, there's a couple of things that travelers need to know about, though. Um, the test must be um, done 72 hours prior to departure. Now, all the responsibility here is on the traveler. It's up to the traveler to make sure that they get that test result. So you can't leave it too late. If they don't have the test in time, they still have to do the 14-day quarantine. And it also does cost money. It's $150. So you have to take that into consideration Mm. as well. So just forgetting and saying, oh, I forgot, there's no excuse. You'd be on the hook for that. Well, exactly. That's right. The other thing is you must buy your ticket first before you have the test because that's part of the registration process for your test and for people who are a little puzzled about this because it is complicated i've got all the details um on my website and there's uh, you have to make an appointment online you have to set up a safe travel hawaii account which gives all of your details so there's a lot to work through but the good thing is we've got non-stop flights into those popular places like maui that canadians love lots of canadians have got condos and mm-hmm. timeshare there 
We love Hawaii. I mean, let's face it, it's a gorgeous spot. It's beautiful and it's uh, slightly warmer than here in Alberta. So I think <laughs> most people, if they're, if they're you know, willing to travel right now, Leslie, they're willing to jump through a few of those hoops to make sure it's safe. So it exactly. does make sense. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Um, I think that what will happen with uh, possibly an announcement coming later on today and with the time required to set all of this in place for your testing, I don't see people departing until maybe you could get in a Christmas trip. You could manage to do that. Mm. But we, we see demand in January and February being very, very strong. Okay. It just seems like a dream and yeah. maybe a dream come true. Getting closer. Hawaii? Yes, where's yeah. that? Goodness. Closer into reach. Thanks so much yeah. for your time this morning, Leslie. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good day. You too. That is Leslie Cater, the travel lady, online at thetravellady.ca. Andy, you know what I want for Christmas now? Oh,